Uh, the Holy Spirit is indeed uh, present. It's present in the waters of baptism. It's present as we gather together in a community of faith, and it uh, comes to us through his word. And so in the tradition of the church, we publicly read the word, and we hear what it says to us this morning from Ephesians chapter 2. It says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you are at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. So for this month, um, together we're, we're going through the book of Ephesians. And we've been walking through it these past several Sundays. And so we're in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 this morning. And uh, this morning, uh, the, the text is a little bit challenging for me because uh, there's a lot of opportunities for people to hear things that I'm going to say this morning and not fully hear the things that I'm saying this morning. And the reason why is because, of course, when we come to God's Word, we're trying to understand what's happening in that time. And then we're also asking the question, what does God's Word this morning mean for us? Like, does this apply to us? In what ways does it apply to us? And what does it mean for us to be uh, faithful as we read it? In this particular text, there's a lot of speaking about ethnic division and tension. And this has just been something that's been part of God's people throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. I mean, if you go back to the Old Testament, there's the story of Egypt and the Israelites. Remember, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, and they were multiplying and growing, and their culture and ethnicity was different than the Egyptians, and so they were threatened by them. They were threatened by the things that they said and the way that they lived, and so they were harsh to them. They did terrible things to them to keep them under control. But eventually God released them from the oppression of the Egyptians, and they moved into the land promised to them. But what did they have to do when they got there? Well, when they got to their promised land, they encountered a whole other bunch of ethnic groups and cultures. And and God said, because he wanted to set aside a people for himself that was pure and holy, that you're going to have to get rid of the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the the Hittites and, and create this new home for you. And so lots of language about different ethnic groups and different ways of living and being come into play. And this 
plays straight into the New Testament. It doesn't go away. In the New Testament, there's the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles. The Jewish people hated the Samaritans. It's all over the text. They called them dogs. They, they wanted nothing to do with them. They were half Jews, half committed, half faithful, not worthy. And then there were the Gentiles, another whole cultural group, people far from God who knew nothing of how they were supposed to be and live. And it created tension. But not only this, this dynamic was going to play, but their own laws and way of living, practice, uh, practice encouraged this uh, separation. I mean, in a very real way, there was the physical separation. Like if you were a Jew, you were circumcised. Gentiles were not lining up for this procedure. And so there was a physical marked difference between those who were Jewish and those who were not. But even the way they worshipped, like if you go to the temple, only certain people could get close to God. Not only did you have to be Jewish, but you had to be Levite, and then Jewish, and then, then, then there was women, and, and then there was Gentiles. Like the further and further away you got, the further and further away from God physically you were on the temple. And so the whole structure was one of segregation and separation and difference. And so it's really surprising then when Christ comes onto the scene that he, he breaks into this and he starts to do something new. He starts to shift the conversation. He starts to emphasize different things. He, it becomes not about the physical circumcision, but the circumcision of your heart. Like, do you have faith? doesn't matter what you look like. Do you have faith? Are you faithful? You know, he doesn't care if you say all the right things. He doesn't want whitewashed tombs. He wants something uh, full and rich and diverse. And then we get in Acts chapter 2, and there's this vision to Peter to go to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. And of course, they had all these rules about clean and unclean foods and ways that you could practice and live. And, and all of a sudden, Peter is on this rooftop and he gets this vision from God and these unclean animals come to him on this sheet and, and God says, take and eat. And, and, and this is scandalous. It goes against everything that Peter's learned. And he's invited then by God to go visit Cornelius and he's anxious to do this, to, to enter the home of a Gentile is to become unclean, to be unfaithful. Jews were threatened by the Gentiles, by the Greek and Roman culture. They fought against it. They wanted to be pure, make sure everything was right and good. And there was fear. And yet we get to the book, to the Ephesians, and, and Paul is basically piggybacking on things Christ started and, and the revelation to Peter. And he's like saying that there shouldn't be this kind of ethnic division among you. It's not about those who are circumcised or uncircumcised. It's not about those who are Gentile or Jew. It's about the foundation in which we build our faith with Christ as the cornerstone. And he's calling for unity in the church. Because of all this racial and ethnic stuff, there was a lot of disunity in the church. And surprise, right? When there were questions about what you could eat, what you should do, how you should live. And they had to figure out what fundamentally was the most important thing and what did it look like to be a Jew who was a Christian 
a Gentile who is a Christian, a Samaritan who is a Christian, and what cultural practices and habits are okay and which ones are not, and what do we do with it? And so a lot of the early debates and discussion in the church were about this unity and this reconciliation of those from all these different backgrounds knowing who Christ is and their next step. So that was the easy part of the sermon, because we all can nod and say, yes, that's great. Now the hard part. What does this mean for us? And the reason why this is the hard part is because this is very cultural, right? It's a hot topic issue. Like if I were to ask everyone right now, what do you think about DEI? It's diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Back in 2020, there was protests because of um, police violence against a, a black man, right? Do you remember that? We go to great length. I, I try not to politicize anything in the pulpit. Like, I don't try to delve into politics unless the text kind of asks me to. And the text this morning is kind of asking me to explore this a little bit, I feel. But when that happened, like, there was a lot of energy around what should happen next or where should we stand or, or do you pray for the police? Do you pray for uh, the minorities? Do you pray for both? Who's right? Who's wrong? And, and, and kind of like with issues now, there's still a lot of energy. And I think, gosh, I mean, this is, I see a lot of people posting things on social media and saying things. And I think about these words from Paul where he's calling for some unity and reconciliation and and it seems like sometimes the polemic and the language does quite the opposite of that. And so what do we what do we do with it? Well I'm only I can only share my, my personal experiences. Things that I've seen and experienced that I think reveal a way, show us a way. Uh, when I was in college here, I went to Concordia, Austin. It was when it was downtown off of 38 and a half Street. Um, it was right next to I-35. I would, like the white noise for me was the sound of traffic on I-35. That's what I fell asleep to at night, okay? Across from the university, um, there was a lot of stores that you could go visit. Some I can't mention here, um, but there's a lot of opportunities for things. And, but one shopping center, there was a, a Hispanic grocery store and a Blockbuster. And I worked at that Blockbuster video. Um, Blockbuster was this place you could rent movies and watch. (laughs) And there's these things called VHS tapes. And you would have to rewind them to watch them again. For those of you who don't know, be kind, rewind. (laughs) And so I'd be at this Blockbuster video and this particular blockbuster, because of where it was located, had one of the largest Spanish-speaking video collections in Austin. I don't speak Spanish, um, but I learned how to say, do you have your membership card in Spanish? And you owe me a late fee in Spanish. <laughs> and every week, while I was working at this blockbuster, I'd be there and I'd be studying my Greek and my Hebrew. I was in the pre-seminary program, getting ready to go to seminary, and I was just studying it. and. And every week, this black man would come into this blockbuster. And 
he would he would see me studying and he asked me questions about the Greek and the Hebrew and he'd ask me questions about the Bible and he was so excited that I was going to be a pastor. He he would come in and he'd be like, Pastor, how are you doing today? Are you doing your work? Are you getting A's? I'm so excited. And, and it was just nicest man. One day he comes in. He's like, Pastor, I've been talking to my pastor. And you're going to come and preach at our church. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, now, just to be clear, especially since it's online, I know now that I'm ordained in the Lutheran church, I'm not allowed to preach at other churches unless they're Lutheran, but I was above the law at this time. Um, I was just a 20-year-old doing a thing, right? And so I was like, sure, why not? And I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. I just thought it was like a thing he said to be nice. But a couple weeks later, he comes in. And he's like, okay, pastor, I've talked to my pastor, and, and you're on. Uh, in February, you're going to preach at our church. He just wants you to come meet with him to make sure you have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and so the congregation was Missionary Baptist Church. It's still there, East Austin. I went and met with that pastor, and we decided that I have the Holy Spirit. We also disagreed on baptism. That was a different conversation. But I passed the test. The date was set. I've never preached a sermon before in my life. I, I thought, actually, what I was going to do, I was like, you know, we do student chapels. I thought it was going to be like that. Let me tell you, it's, it was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. I was not prepared for what I was about to get into. And because I never preached a sermon before, I didn't really know what to do totally. I just knew I'd talk about the Bible, you know. Um, and I was taking Old Testament at Concordia at this time, and uh, the professor teaching my class was Professor Paul Puffy. Hard, hard class. Uh, but we had just been studying the book of Exodus. And I thought, you know what, I'll just share with the congregation things that I've been learning in the book of Exodus. And so I go and boldly preach on setting my people free from slavery in Egypt. <laughs> Y'all caught it right away. I did not. Not at all. The guy was so excited that I was coming to preach, he had a camcorder, and he videotaped it. I actually still have this video. It'd be great if I said, let me show you, but I'm not doing that. Uh, my wife would make us move. <laughs> actually, I showed the previous congregation I served, they got to see this video on my last day before I came here. Um, I still have it on DVD. I put it on DVD. It's somewhere in the house unless my wife destroyed it. Um, and um, it's so awkward, so awkward to watch because I'm oblivious to the fact that here I am in a all-black congregation preaching on freedom. <laughs> but I was genuine. And the thing is, is like, they loved me. They were loving on me. And they were encouraging, and they were all for it. They do things that y'all don't do. Like, if you watch this video, it's like I was possessed by a different person because they're like, amen, and at some point in the video, I'm kid you not, saying, amen, you're, that's right, amen. And you watch the video, and it's like, who is that? But I was getting into it. I was going for it. I preached all of 12 minutes. The pastor gets up right after in the video, and he says, Pastor Danner, I would have just been warming up and proceeds to preach for about 44 minutes, <laughs> riffing kind of off things I said. It's so awkward to watch, but I keep it because it's humbling, but one of the things reflecting back on it 
that I realized is that there were so many opportunities for offense to be made, but because I was just reading God's word, they loved me. And it was great. I had a great time. Frankly, they're kind of more fun usually than we are. Amen. So this is a different culture. But it was refreshing. And so I think if we remember that Christ is the cornerstone, I think we can overcome a lot. We, don't, we can see past things. We can move forward in a positive way. The congregation I served before was St. Paul Lutheran. It's in downtown Fort Worth. It sits on the hill. It's like the light on the hill. It's a historic congregation. There's actually a, a plaque, a state of Texas plaque on the building. It's the oldest Lutheran church in uh, uh, Fort Worth. It's one of the oldest congregations in the state of Texas. And it's up on the hill, and on the back side of this hill, there's this neighborhood uh, that was uh, always known historically as a lower-income um, black neighborhood. And St. Paul had been wanting to buy that land over time, and there was all these things, it's always complicated, uh, kind of preventing us from buying the land. And, and um, at one point, this family came to worship. It was a, a black family, and they began sharing uh, with the pastor. They met with the, the senior pastor, and they shared with him a story about how it was like their parents' parents, their great-grandparents, their parents were wanting to come to vacation Bible school at St. Paul, but they would not let them because they were black. And that seems crazy, but this is in the 50s and 60s, and it's not that long ago. Like a few generations, it's all memory. It's recent memory. And to Mesmin's credit, the senior pastor, he heard this, and, and what he did next was just interesting. He actually, in a service on Sunday, led the congregation in a moment of confession, absolution, and repented, and apologized to that family for not letting them be a part of VBS simply for their ethnicity. And it was just, you know, and, and it was funny, over the years after that happened, um, we were able to start buying that land to kind of expand the property, and, and, and the senior pastor attributed it solely to God blessing us because he was willing to repent and say we're sorry. Even though he wasn't the pastor that did it, even though some of those members weren't the members that did it, it was generational sin, and he said, we're sorry. And so my takeaway from that, I mean, it, again, just think about it. It's like your grandparents telling you stories. It's not that long ago. Maybe we don't do things personally against people, but maybe um, the body of Christ has. And so what do we do? Well, we do what God's word says. We say, I'm sorry. I confess I'm sinful and unclean. I've sinned against you. Forgive me. And it's amazing what that can do to bring people that have been divided back together. Christ at the cornerstone, you can overcome so much. I've served as a pastor solely in the great state of Texas. Um, since I got ordained, I've never been anywhere else. And I get to go to these conventions every three years for the state of Texas. And when I first started going to them, um, I remember my very first one, 
Um, you just get together and we vote on a bunch of stuff. It, you know, it's, it's just church politics. We don't talk about it here because it doesn't matter for the most part. But uh, you go, and I remember the first few that I went to, literally is going into a room, and I, I don't mean this offensively, this is just, this is factual. Like, you go into a room, and it's a room predominantly full of men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, all white and all balding, basically a room full of me or an older, Okay? But then something started happening just subtly over the years. Um, I started, in the last few years, it's been really, and we do it every three years, so the last six years or so, I've noticed a huge shift, and this makes sense to me. But now, like, we have um, a huge Spanish-speaking population now. Like, we have Hispanic women and Hispanic men that are coming to this convention, and we have to have translators come now to translate what's being said and translate what they say back to us so we can understand what's going on. And we sing a hymn in Spanish sometimes. And, and I just think, of course, because we're in the state of Texas. If we are a church in the state of Texas and we don't have Hispanic people a part of our body, then we're, we're, we're not doing something. And so it just speaks to me about the desire and openness that we have to, to raise leaders up from different cultural backgrounds within our church body and it looks and feels different, but it's important to discuss things theologically, to have those language translators and to invite them into that process. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and logistically, I'm sure, it's not just simple. But you do it because if Christ is the cornerstone, you want to overcome. You want to connect in new and meaningful and powerful ways. And so I get like in, in the cultural conversation, you know, the scripture says there is neither slave nor free, Jew or Greek, male or female, like under the, in Christ, it's like it's sort of this equality. And so I, I get on, on some, some members of this congregation, like they, they get anxious about conversations around DEI because, well, it, we're supposed to be equal under Christ. And I, I totally appreciate that. But I also don't wonder what we're not understanding sometimes when we're, we're just and mass dismissive of those conversations. Because like I said, back in 2020 when those, those riots were taking place, um, nothing was said in the pulpit about it, and we didn't pray about anything in particular. And some of our minority families were hurt by that. And they brought it up, and... We had several meetings on Zoom over the course of several months just to kind of talk about it and what it meant. And, and again, from where I sat, I sat in on most of those meetings. And from where I sat, like, I didn't do anything intentional, kind of like when I was preaching at the Baptist church. Like, I wasn't trying to be insensitive. I just was doing my thing. I wasn't trying to hurt anyone by not praying for them or talking about it. I was just doing what I do. I preach the text, we pray, we move on. But but there was some brokenness there. And maybe we should have. Maybe that's a corporate confession. Like we need to be more mindful that just because it's not important to us doesn't mean it's not important to someone else. Just because it doesn't hurt us doesn't mean someone else isn't hurting. A lot of those families left over it. But what Scripture teaches is that we don't ignore it, we don't conflate it either, 
but in Christ we're no longer aliens or strangers. That is, we have more in common with those who have Christ than those who do not. And so this is where there's that equality. We have equality only in Christ. Meaning that I have more in common with a black brother or sister who is baptized in Christ than I do a family member who does not believe in Christ. And that's how scripture talks about it. But that's not without its challenges. Because there's different backgrounds and cultures and practices, but we acknowledge it and we grow together and grow in the foundation that is Christ. We move on from there like the early church and we acknowledge there's differences and that's actually good. And now what? What do we do? How do we live? If Christ is the cornerstone, a lot can follow under that umbrella, truly. But sometimes we have to be reminded that this is still an area that we need to grow in. And that's what Paul was doing to the church in Ephesus. They knew Jesus. They weren't pagans. They were being faithful in most ways. But he needed to remind them that the kingdom dream is no division. That there's more to the church than what we experience here. And we pay attention. We seek unity. We seek forgiveness, and we seek reconciliation. And as long as we have our firm foundation with Christ as the cornerstone, even if you preach a foolish sermon (laughs) that you have no business preaching, it's true and full of grace. And so we walk forward in the word of Christ just faithfully go as we seek to be unified not only together in this room but with our brothers and sisters that are baptized in Christ everywhere as we seek to proclaim his word and live faithfully. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.